This is Camp Hacker. Come find our show notes and our blog for camp directors and leaders at camphacker.tv. Good day and welcome to our podcast. This is Camp Hacker, episode 98, recorded on the 1st of March, 2017. On today's show, building community with your local community. If you would like easy, automatic, free updates of our podcast, you can subscribe in iTunes or use the free Stitcher app. This week's Camp Hacker podcast is sponsored by Go Camp Pro. Go Camp Pro is a year-round online camp conference for the true summer camp mavericks. The camp pros who can't stand it when people say, but that's not how we do it around here. Go Camp Pro is a community of year-round summer camp staffers who empower each other to make the big changes that camp needs so that our campers and staff will go and change the world. To try it for free for one week, go to www.gocamp.pro. And this week's episode is sponsored in part by camp pros like you who support the show on Patreon. We want to thank those patrons who've been supporting the show from the beginning and without fail. David G, Andy L, Marie W, Teresa ML, Lisa Summer Fun, Ange A, Jack and Laura, and Mark P. Thanks! If you've got even one good idea from the Camp Hacker podcast, you could show your support for the show for as little as $1 per episode. We've got some great rewards too, just like a Kickstarter campaign. Please go to patreon.com forward slash camphacker. We hope you enjoy the Camp Hacker show. Hello, Camp Pros, and welcome to the Camp Hacker Podcast. My name is Travis Allison. I am a founder of Camp Hacker and also of GoCamp.pro. Hi, my name is Dan Weir. I'm the Director of Camping Services at Frost Valley YMCA. Frost Valley is a year-round camp conference education facility up in the Catskill Mountains. We're about two and a half hours from Manhattan. And uh, this will be my 21st summer working here this upcoming summer. And my name is Joe Richards. I'm the executive director at Pierce Williams Christian Center, which is a United Church of Canada summer camp and retreat facility located in Fingal, Ontario, which is about halfway between Detroit and Toronto. I'm Lisa Danhoff, and I'm the assistant director at Camp Nuego. We're a 91-year-old, year-round facility that focuses on empowering girls to be their best self. And I'm uh, I'm Mark Cooper, the camp director of Camp Tamarack, a private residential camp located in Bracebridge, Ontario, which is about two hours north of Toronto. Right on. Well, I am excited to have you all here. And uh, Julissa and Mark, welcome back. Um, Mark, it's... Well, you've both been on quite recently, so uh, it's nice to have you both. I won't do too much in terms of the interview, but um, thank you both for being here. We want to offer a hearty Camp Hacker congratulations to Jalisa for being uh, now an award-winning camp director, uh, who just won the uh, just won a major award at the ACA National Conference. So, congratulations, Jalisa. Thanks. All because of great networking with people like you. Awesome. And I and I said in in my congratulations on Facebook, and I feel that this will be a thing that I feel like I'm Elf and she's Santa, and I can go. I know her. I know. Her. <laughs> All right. So we are actually dealing with the topic that Santa proposed today. We're going to talk about how to um, be a good community member with the the community in which your camp resides. Uh, interesting situation. It's quite different for all of us. Um, it, it, although we're all residential camps, um, there is 
different situation. Like uh, where Dan pulls most of his kids from is not close to where they are. And Mark's camp is the, the community that he pulls from is actually the community he lives in, but not the community where camp is. So when he's at home during the year. So lots of interesting perspectives on this. And uh, I, I'm quite excited about it. And Jalisa, you said that this is something that you've been thinking about a lot lately. What, what's been bringing it up for you? So Camp Nuevo just became year-round in 2007 when we, when we built our first winterized building. Um, and before that time, no one lived on site. So it was a traditional camp experience where the director moved off-site and everybody was back on the ship. Now we have nine full-time year-round staff that all work and live on-site year-round. Yes. We all live in camp housing. Um, and we had this weird disconnect when we opened our first building that much like we were saying, camp come from the nearest big city and not so there would be people from the local community that had no idea Camp Nuevo existed. And we've been here for like 90 years. So it felt like they should know. So we've really worked in, in the past decade to build an understanding and appreciation of Camp Nuevo within our immediate county, even though we don't have a lot of those members who can afford to come to camp for our residential program. Um, we've been really with our programming and our models to try to build a sense of community and community pride at our camp. Right on. Cool. Well, and I look forward to coming back to you and, and dealing with some of those details. I would say, Joe, Pierce Williams is the most like a day camp of all the camps represented here, and that you draw from a really quite small area, just one county, and um, your, your community involvement is quite strong. Yeah, and it, and it has to be. So just so that to set it up, Pierce Williams is um, we're attached to a bunch of local churches and years ago. So in the 60s, the United Church of Canada is Canada's largest um, a denom Christian denomination or Protestant denomination. And um, each area has a conference, a group of that can be hundreds and hundreds of churches, and then they break that down into presbyteries. And for whatever reason, locally, all of the presbyteries started their own camps in the 60s. And so what that means is right now I have 15 churches that support me, and we're in Elgin County, which is, uh, you know, rides along the, the north shore of Lake Erie. And essentially, um, I draw 75% of my kids from Elgin County, so within an hour's drive. Now, that's within Elgin County it's 75%. If I go to within an hour's drive of Pierce Williams, I would think that my number of campers goes up to 85 to 95% of my campers come from within an hour's drive of me. We do get campers from Toronto and from Windsor and from you know, places further away than that hour, but the majority of the campers are within an hour's drive. And the majority of those campers are literally within our local county, um, which is very much like, Jaleesa would know this, very much like 4-H camps, which in, in the States are um, a lot of 4-H organizations will go to a camp that's not in their county sometimes, but their county runs their own camp. So um, we have to be attached to the community because the community is where our kids come from. Right. And I was telling this story to my new summer camp director, 
uh, Matt Hansberger, uh, who started with us last week, a story about 2008. Camp Hacker I mean, producer Matt Hansberger. Champion Congress. <laughs> and um, I go to attend a session by Joanne Warren Smith. Yeah. Joanne Warren Smith says to me, says at the beginning of the session, and, and some friends of ours from Ray, uh, uh, Camp Robin Hood are in the session, who I know. And Joanne Warren Smith is like doing introductions. And she says, uh, so this is only for day camps. If you're not a day camp, you shouldn't be here. And so she gets to me and I say, I'm Joe Richards. I'm from Pierce Williams. And she goes, so you're a day camp? I said, no, no, we're residential. But we're, she's like, you can't stay. You need to leave. <laughs> like, and literally it took convincing to stay. But once you understand, yeah. So for us, it's much more like day camp than, than residential. I'm not, when I spend $10,000 in advertising, I can spend it very close to home because I know that's where I'm going to get the most bang for my buck. I'm not trying to spread that 10,000 out across North America. Right. All right. All right. So to actually, I'm going to come back to you. I, I want to give, give Mark a chance to jump in. Mark, what is the, the, how tied is camp in its summer location? How tied is it to the local community there? Um, to, well, to break, we, we don't pull any probably zero campers from Bracebridge, right? Like as far as that, like we have, we, our, our, my community involvement, like my summer camp community wouldn't come from Bracebridge. Um, you know, we've talked in the past of doing, would we open it up and do like a day camp program or, but I, I think the majority of our kids come from Toronto, uh, we have a, a, a large international population that comes from Mexico or, or China or Spain or France, all, all over the world. My community involvement would probably involve, like, we do lots of different community events because, we, you know, I think like Julissa said, it's interesting that people live in Bracebridge. We've been there for, you know, before Tamarack started as a co-ed camp, it was a Boy Scout camp. And people have no idea unless they're like your local vendors that we use, they have no idea. So whether it's, you know, we, we've partnered in the past bunch of years doing different charity events where whether it's a local, you know, uh, one of the local shops would donate stuff and then we do different fundraisers and then we donate that money back to a, a camping charity or, um, We've done different, you know, food drives, you know, on the first day of camp, kids bring, you know, junk and stuff and they don't need all that junk. So we collect and we'll donate it to a local thing or doing a, a local car wash within the community. So just let people still know that we're doing that and then we'll donate that money back. That kind of like these give back projects within or at the old folks home where kids will write letters or we'll take a busload of kids and they'll sit talk. But as far as the actual where our camper population comes from is is zero for, you know the, uh, we'll probably go you know we've had kids from Aurelia which is about an hour away from camp but not nothing super close from Bracebridge cool and I yeah. and come back around to some of those charity things yeah. and your your local connections but I want to move to Dan for Frost Valley you have a, a huge year-round population of your own stuff and, and yeah. how does that connection with the the local community work yeah, so um, so we're pretty unique where we have an overnight camp and a day camp operating at the same time, um, and it's funny. Um, there's perceptions of why. So I'll um, I'll start with what we're doing with the local community um, overview, and then kind of branch into overnight community, and then 
and then how that distincts us from otherwise. So uh, I think it was Andy Pritkin um, on this podcast a while ago talked about your relationship with your local community should be like you're you're the mayor uh, of the local community yeah. <laughs> um, in that sense. And, and that's, uh, you know, our relationship with our local community. We, we are uh, not only a major employer, but um, but we do our best to really support uh, the local community. So we have the after school care program. Um, we have a, a very large day camp as well, too. Um, so especially for up here. Um, and we do our best to. Um, support those around us as well. Um, we don't offer daycare, um, but um, we do our best to, since people are so closely tied with working here, we're one of the major employers for the area, and then providing those other services. Um, uh, and we also uh, host the the entire sixth grade annually for a school trip. So the whole uh, sixth grade will come up and learn earth science classes and team building skills from us uh, for a period of three days. So uh, it's a little bit unique um, in terms of having that many facets of the local community. But also, our local community is a, is a little bit unique as well, too, in the sense that oh, there's a lot of second homeowners. Right. So the only way we can interact with some of our second homeowners during the year is to leave a, a door knocker, to literally leave something hanging on their doorknob. And we, we do it. We go up to the doorknob and we do it. So it's, it's, a, it's a very funny relationship when we talk about our day camp and talk about our local community, that they, they have two communities that they're part of. So the second part of the, the community they're part of is the the target market for overnight camp? That's our our for us. It's New York City region, so it's uh, Manhattan, Brooklyn, um, the suburbs of New Jersey that surround that um, Queens. Uh, there's a there's a lot of about ninety percent of our kids for overnight camp. This is completely different from Joe. Um, are coming from about over an hour away, so it is uh, it's very distinct to have local children enjoying a camp program and then have children from you know, typically three hours away enjoying camp as well. So it's it's a unique community in that sense. And and so what we try to do is we try to take those parameters that we have with our local community, extend them to communities down there. So we have little hubs that we utilize through the Y network. So like, for instance, Montclair Y, we try to build that relationship. I can't go into Montclair without running into a kid that has a Frost Valley sweatshirt on. So like it, it just, it's it, it works out well in that sense. But um, it's it's a funny blend of everything. And a lot of Ys, what they do, um, we're our own Y, we're our own association, meaning we are independent. We, you know, everything is, is just centrally focused on camp and everything that comes with that. A lot of Ys are part of these big associations where they have five or six facility-wise in the neighborhood, and then everyone in that neighborhood sends their kids to camp. Um, and they, they have their camp, and sometimes their camp is half hour away, sometimes their camp is three hours away. Um, but it's a, it's funny to watch community and how it builds, certainly within camping, but also with the why. So. Right. All right. Uh, you know, my experience <clears throat> is uh, was changed by me moving on site. Um, there had been a family living on site as the caretakers and when they left, I took over their house and some of the responsibilities, but it really did change our relationship with the local community. Um, our, our camp is 25 minutes from Mark. Um, and it really changed the, the relationship with the local community. Mark is more attached to the big city of Bracebridge, uh, where was, we had stronger connections to the village of, of Baysville. Um, and for me, getting involved in the city of Baysville mostly as a volunteer firefighter um, made such a huge difference to the connection, and it helped 
our staff get to know people in town. We also hired somebody local to be a year-round administrator when administration had been done in Toronto beforehand. And all of those ties strengthened our ties to the village of Baysville and meant that um, it's an interesting culture where, where our camp and Mark's camp is that it is like – Dan talking about with second homes and cottages where so many people come in just in and out of, of the place and don't seem to care for the people that are there all that much. Um, that's a gross generalization, but it, it certainly, f- you feel mm-hmm. that when you live there, you're around. Um, and so for them to, to get to know our staff meant that the people in the village looked after our staff in many ways and, um, you know, grew to appreciate them and, and, give them ride home ride rides home and stuff like that that was developed a real real strong relationship so Jalisa, that that sort of thing seems to me like an, an ideal place to be in where you have a strong connection and for Nuevo, that wasn't there but you set out to create it what were some of the first steps in that so uh much like dan talked about doing a, a knob like a door knocker thing yes. we started doing a doctor so yes. we're on a chain of four lakes, and we have volunteers that put together a series of events that we now do called Ridge Dinners through our catering company that runs out of camp um, with an executive chef. We hold three dinners out at camp on change days. Um, so we, they happen over Father's Day, um, and we put all these events in like a, a little plastic bag, and then our camp staff decorate rocks with like pictures of chacos or butterflies, we pick a theme. And then we have volunteers drive their pontoon boats to each of the docks on our tuneries. And they put the information at the edge of the dock, so it's a little less abrasive than yeah. in someone's mailbox and more legal, which is great. <laughs> and then uh, they get all our information. So we started doing Ridge Dinners, which is like a plated dinner series for those second homeowner cottage folks. Yes. And then we now do year-round community fundraisers. So we have a Halloween weekend event where each of our cabins become like spooky haunted houses. Yeah. And we get pumpkins donated yeah. from local orchards and kids come out and paint them. We have a Christmas event called Santa and S'mores where you can come roast a s'more with Santa and meet live reindeer. We have a, a sold-out daughter dance around Valentine's Day. And then our newest event is one in the spring and it's called Enchanted. And we've been trying to find a way to get local community members to come out and take a walk in the woods with their family. I mean, that's like the biggest thing that we as camp professionals try and do. Yeah. We couldn't come out in the spring to do this. So we get local volunteer artists to make these fairy houses out of whatever materials they want. And then we hide the houses along trails and families go and they hike and they aim to find all these houses on our camp trails. And then we auction off the houses for camp scholarships. So at each of these year-round events, we'll have between four and six hundred people here a day. Wow! Uh, and we charge really like five dollars a person. We're not making any profit on these yeah. events; solely fundraisers. So just the sheer number of, of people from the local community that traffic through our camp, our our local day camp is really small, like thirty kids a week. So we're able to make a bigger splash in the local community by having events and we've also started to open up our zip line for public dates so we have public zip line dates where local community cottage owners like dan was talking about can bring their grandkids out to do the zip line um and we charge a fee for that and then um we have people trying to sneak on our ropes course to do it on their own time right all right i love the idea of fundraisers. so so smart so smart 
So, Deanne, what, other than offering services to the community, what are some of the intentional things you do to make, um, to make that connection? Yeah, um, similar to what Jalisa was just saying, um, we have a few free events for the local community that are tend to be centered around um, either holidays or convenient timing. So, for instance, um, we do a fall farm day, um, and that's after our farm camp wraps up, and uh, it's, it's when the foliage is at its peak, and, and we'll get 400 people and a majority of them are the local community. Yeah. And it's awesome. It's just you know people getting to see camp. And I think whenever um, – people can see the value of what you're doing and have an experience themselves. They won't look at you as that, um, that place that if you're a nonprofit takes away from their tax money, or if you're a private camp, that place that has condos up in the, in the woods, you know, that sort of thing, whatever, whatever thing they latch onto. Um, so that's one, um, we throw, um, and do another one with the Halloween. And then we, um, uh, lately, uh, the past three years we've been doing one at holiday time. And for us, uh, the, there's a, a poverty rate up here that is astonishing. So, um, we basically just allow people to have their holiday dinner up here and we do it, um, about mid December. And, um, we put out a big turkey and, and a full meal and crafts and everything like that. And um, we've heard from some families this is the only time they could actually really all get together. Um, and then and they, when we just go above and beyond, and we charge nothing for that. Um, mm -hmm. We actually uh, we uh, get our partners um, for other vendors to donate services. So, for instance, we'll get a school bus from the school, and we'll get the, the busing um, company to donate the busing. Or, or we'll get um, the food donated from our food provider. So there, there's a lot of ways that we've been able to utilize that and keep the cost minimum. Then all the staff um, donate their time. Like we, we just view it as giving back to the community. But um, yeah, I, I can't. Uh, whenever you can get people to your property and they could see the benefit of it, um, I think it's huge. There's um, there's a camp. Uh, it's a Coleman Country uh, Day Camp in, uh, in Long Island. They actually have they have a, amazing fields um, uh, that they that they, they I think they have astroturf in a few of them, and they uh, so they have it for their summer camp. But during the year, they manicure it and keep it open all year long, so any sports team that's local can use it as well too. Um, and uh, so they, you know, those little things where the community can actually use your property, uh, it. it it's invaluable. Um, they will defend you until until the end yeah. uh, by just by having a camp experience of their own, something to their heart. You know, right? It's awesome, Joe. Joe, what for you folks is is some of the ways that you give back to the the community within the county? Well, within the county, the way the ways we would give back, we we do staff some of the vacation Bible schools or vacation Bible camps locally. We we deal with we try to deal uniquely and only with local suppliers for things yeah and for us that, yeah. people is very local right local is elegant county yeah um we have done friend raisers in the past and dinners and and all of those things um we used to visit old age homes with with staff and do songs and whatnot um but a lot of the way we give back is through the is through subsidizing every child who comes to camp, which is a huge thing because our community has does have a higher unemployment rate than most, um, and it's this part of Pierce Williams' history is and and. 
Pierce Williams history is that we've you want to keep the rate of camp extremely low so that people can afford to come to camp. And uh, so we're balancing that out with our needs long term right now. But that, those are some of the ways that we that we give back to the community. Um, more importantly are the ways you connect with the community, right? In, in a day camp setting, as Joanne Warren-Smith has said in the past, is if, if somebody parachuted in and walked through a house and literally said to someone, um, you know, what is the, what, think of a camp, what is that camp's name? Our goal is in, in, in Elgin County, if you were to parachute to a house, they would say Pierce Williams. Right. Um, and, and we have a fairly good, I would think we would have a very good success rate with that. The challenge is, and we have a couple of new staff now, um, and one of my, and a volunteer that's been with us for about two years full time, who said to me just the other day, he said, I'm surprised that people don't know we exist. And I said, I, I get it. Like people can literally be 10 minutes away and not mm-hmm. know what we do. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what more I can do to to reach those people because if some people don't want to know they'll just never know um every very different than the other camps we don't have there's no transient population because we're in the middle of farmland and residential buildings so people tend to live in their houses and and be there for that's where they live so um it's unique. We, we blanket the county with our advertising. So I'll print 30,000 brochures just to send out to make sure every house in Elgin County gets a brochure. Um, now, those houses could be filled with seniors and whatnot. But once again, it's just that piece where they know, right, they'll at least see it and be like, oh, Pierce Williams still exists. Because what I get sometimes when I'm out and about is... I thought that place closed in the in the nineties, and you're like, no, 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 we did. We're we're fine. Um, so yeah, it's it's part of giving back, and it's part of communicating our need and the programs and facilities we offer. So, as with campers, here's a unique stat. So as I said earlier, seventy five percent come from Elgin County. Probably ninety to ninety five percent come from within an hour. The exact opposite is true of the groups who rent us. Right. 75% of our rental groups come from away from Elgin County or uh, and so <clears throat> rental groups and school groups. So when we do school programming in June, May and June, 75% of those groups are coming from from further away than Elgin County, but which to us mainly means London, Ontario, which uh, is only like I'm sitting in London right now and it took me it took me half an hour to get downtown London. So we're not extremely far from half a million people who live there year, who live in those places year round. Right. Yeah. I was going to say that's an important part of that, that the Pierce Williams model is that the rentals and facility use subsidizes camp. And so in that way, um, people from further away subsidize local kids going to, to camp. That's an interesting yeah. gift of, yeah. of Pierce Williams to, St. Thomas in the area. Mm-hmm. Mark, you, you just alluded to some, some really interesting things that you had done within um, Muskoka or Bracebridge or in mm-hmm. Lincoln Bay's township or in the city of Bracebridge, technically. Um, yeah, most of, most of them were in the city of Bracebridge. We, we probably actually went into Baysville, like if we've done certain little, a couple fundraiser 
uh, things, but mainly Bracebridge is where most of our staff, like, you know, we're, we're halfway between Bracebridge and yeah. Baysville and Bracebridge just has just so much more, I guess, for our staff. So, and, and so many of our vendors that we work with are there. So if we're working with them or, you know, we typically go left out of our gate instead of right towards Baysville. Mm-hmm. So what have been some of those things would have been some, first of all, why was it important to, to reach out to Bracebridge and what have been some of the things you've tried? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it's something hearing, hearing some of the, the other things that people are doing. First of all, I'm blown away. I, I never knew uh, that you were a volunteer firefighter. That's had I known that I might've started a small fire just to <laughs> see you <laughs> put it out. Um, that's there a is a word fact. for people like that, Mark. Yes. Um, because, because it's funny because a lot of our, our, Vendors like a lot of the guys who I use are also on the baseball volunteer firefighter. I'm like, wow, it's pretty. Um, but some of the things that we've done in in Bracebridge, you know, it, it always stems a lot of times with our our oldest unit, like the the CIT population. When we're, you know, part of the leadership program is, you know, what can you do for your community? How can you give back? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and coming up with, you know, so so they all they the past couple of years they would. Um, each of our unit would pick a different charity and would say, at some point, you have to do what we call Tamarack Gives Back. You pick a charity of your choice. Um, and it, sometimes kids would pick, like, Sick Kids or uh, Kids in Camp, which is a, a charity that a lot of the Ontario Camps Association camps um, Mark, donate money to. you better explain what Sick Kids is. Sorry, what? You better explain what Sick Kids is. Oh, Sick Kids. Yeah, Sick Kids. It's it's a terrible name for a hospital. Uh, I <laughs> It's a sick kids is a is a hospital one of like the one of the leading hospitals I'd say in the world for uh, children, um, you know, from and any it's in any Toronto. type. It's not local. It's, it's Toronto. yeah, it's in yeah. Toronto. So or the kids would pick a charity, you know, the yeah. Canadian, you know, or we've done uh, kind of co branding stuff with Camp Uchigas, which is a uh, a camp for kids with cancer. And, you know, that year we raised a couple thousand dollars and it was just neat. Anything from 50-50 draws to, you know, a big thing that we would do is in the prior to the start of the summer, some of our staff would go in and, you know, we, we write a nice letter. A lot of them would know, know us and we just go literally door to door and say, hey, would you want to donate? You know, the local pizza guy will donate two large pizzas and we'll raffle all these things off and whatever money we raise goes there. And then we fall, obviously follow up with a nice thank you and we take a picture of the winner. They And it's funny when you go back into town afterwards, you see that they they want to be part of yeah. this bigger thing. Right. And and so picking a charity doesn't matter which charity. And then um, so with our CITs, we've done little things that, you know, car washes where, you know, we will buy all the stuff and we'll we'll partner with like the local gas station and our you know our CITs 10 of our CITs will go and just a car wash and raise money that kind of way one of the things that we want to do more is um there's always that interesting relationship that love hate relationship with the neighbors you know we're a summer camp we make some noise someone you know some like there's trucks they go from being this quiet street to you know, during the summer every day you have different vehicles coming down the camp road. But I would love to open it up as a an open house, a, a friends of Tamarack to thirty or thirty or however many families that are kind of within you know a couple kilometers where we open it up and just come come experience summer camp for the day just so you see what we're about. Because sometimes I think 
you get these cottagers or um, there's residents where it's like, oh, here comes the kids again every yeah. summer. And I, I really want to um, kind of break down some of those barriers. So hearing some of the different things and we're on a private lake, but doing like Dan said, like those little door knockers, you know, something like that, whether we could do it in-house because we're not, it's not a huge population where our kids make these cute, cute little invitations. We invite them, you know, at some point, because I think that's, that's an area that we need to do better. Right. Right. Yeah. So as, as I've alluded, Mark, Mark and Mark's camp and our camp were on sort of opposite sides of, of this little town of Baysville. And the cottage we were on was not private. So there's lots of cottages and second homes there and lots of year round residents as well. But um, the cottage association was struggling to find a place where they could have an annual meeting um, and plan some big events. And uh, as soon as I started as a director, I started going to the meetings and I was like, why are we meeting in this this dumpy little place in the village when we have this beautiful dining hall on the lake. Like, let's have the meeting there. Mm-hmm. And that that started as the first thing that turned into a, a biannual cottagers day um, where the, the meeting was a part of it, but there was also barbecue and big lunch. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the cottagers, I think, have to... Uh, the, they they hear what camp is like, but they don't see what camp is like or know what camp is like. So they just hear all the screaming and laughing and and in our case a lot of singing. And so they got to experience all that stuff and go in the zip line on the climbing wall and just see around camp and that certainly made a, a big difference with the local community um, to do all those things on that that one day. It was a, an important part of building a good relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two other things that I've seen. One was from our camp after we left, and one was from another um, campbacker co-host that I that I love. Um, after we left, the director started a camp called Pay It Forward, and it was a week for teens looking to do volunteer, change the world kind of things. Uh, and they definitely picked local, uh, national, well, national and international charities as part of that work. And this was definitely when we would take kids. Practice them, practice with them for a few days, and take them into a senior's home and sing for them. Um, mm-hmm. Also, go and play cards and um, and do some of those relationship building things, as well as raising money and food donations for the the local food bank in the area. Pay it forward was a is a really interesting experience, and and there's an amazing number of camp leaders that have come out of that week long pay it forward camp that really graduate into be long term term camp leaders because they because they're interested in giving to people and, and it's a, it's a great leadership skill. The other thing that I would say that's a, an awesome um, way to give back to the community, build community within your community uh, was from David Gill from Ferncliff and Ferncliff is outside of Little Rock, Arkansas. And they have been working for years now as being a disaster relief um, packing logistics center for the Red Cross. And they have um, built a warehouse on site where they uh, put together packages for disaster relief. They also do overseas food packages. And so they store the food, clothes, all that stuff on site. And they also then have their campers, um, every camper is involved in packing something that um, goes overseas with Heifer International, uh, but there's also local programs. And they've also been a, 
um, sort of a disaster relief meeting area. If there's ever some big floods or fires and they need to, to pull people out of their local area, they send them, Ferncliff opens their doors. And I think it's been some some pretty awesome um, connections to their, their local community in that way. As we, we come to um, sort of the end of our time, there's lots more to talk about, but I wonder if if, um, if any of you have ideas you've seen from other camps that you admire or that you want to try, that you, you've seen or heard of, that would be a great way for camp thinking about reaching out and connecting with um, the local community, either um, the, the big cities that they draw from, like Mark and Dan have described, or neighborhoods within those cities, or... Um, or the local community to where the summer property is and that. Dan? Uh, yeah, no, there's just um, three things that came up while we were all talking. Yeah. Um, one is um, uh, we allow our local EMS and uh, uh, fire and police to host free trainings here. And um, that has been greatly beneficial for our relationship with the local community as well as making sure our local forces know our property for security reasons. I, I highly recommend it. It's been it's been awesome. Um, we also have been doing uh, Meals on Wheels. Um, so being a year-round place, um, we've had the luxury of being able to cook a few extra meals and then not put a dent in our budget. Yeah. So what we do is we actually drop off um, meals that could be heated up at the local town hall, and then people can go by and pick them up. Right. And when we started doing it, only... Um, only uh, three families were taking advantage of it, and now I, I've heard it's up to a dozen people are, are taking advantage of it. But that has gained us uh, so much clout in the local community, and, and you can think about that. It's just yeah. freeze-drying a few of the meals that we're, we're doing. Um, and then um, uh, one idea I, that I've, I've talked to a number of camps that do this, and, and, I, and I do this as well, is um, is I identify clusters, for lack of better words. I identify towns that we are part of that community, whether they're three hours away or, or not. And then we try to support their town on a, a local level. So um, an easy way is sports. So like buying a billboard at a baseball team. Yeah. Um, you know, the local Little League baseball team and the billboard that all your families will see. Um, that it's, it's very affordable. It's, it's more affordable than going to a camp fair yeah. <laughs> most of the times. You know, but that uh, that is a great thing to support local communities and also promote your camp. Um, you know, that's that's okay. an easy easy way to do that. So it's brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. You know, soccer teams work too. We yes. we sponsor three soccer teams locally. Right. Yeah. So, how much Joe would it cost you per team, if you don't mind me saying asking? Two hundred bucks. Two hundred bucks. Yeah. It's, it's to, so, get, to get Pierce Williams on the back of all their jerseys. Well, no, on the front. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And and in three different colors yeah. and um, with the right age. So we choose uh, under six as the starting team, and then we choose one in each division. So under six, under seven, under eight, which means we're we're pre-programming parents to think about it before yeah. they can send them to every week at camp. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. Um, if I can jump in, yeah. it's interesting. I was just at my nephew's hockey game and I love that. I never thought of sponsoring a local soccer team or, or because I bet like our, I could get a group of our, our staff and campers to go out and cheer on yes. our actual team. I could just so pick to, like, blow these kids away when all of a sudden like a hundred kids show up on a bus to cheer like the soccer team would just be completely hilarious yeah. but my nephew 
um, plays uh, hockey. And I went to his game and I said, what team are you? And he said, the um, Wilson Niblet, which is the, the car place, which I love the name Wilson yeah, Niblet. Yeah, yeah. But that's the car the car place. And I said, but every team is Wilson Niblet. And there's eight teams in the in the league. So what Wilson Niblet does at 200 bucks a pop, they get every single kid in that same age, every single team is there. And then the teams are just color. I'm like, that is just brilliant. Every single, so it's not, they can't, when I played, it was it used to be like, oh, you know, the IGA versus the Shoppers Drug Mart. And yeah, now yeah. it's, everyone is Wilson Niblet and they're just green versus gold versus, and I was like, wow, that's, and it's cost exactly, Joe, like what you said, it was like 200 or 300 bucks. And he probably spent two grand or three grand, and for an entire for eight months of yes, sports, those families. there are 150 kids wearing their names, playing against each other, and it's just. And I bet some of those parents, you know, if you're a summer camp, you're going to generate, you know, specifically for Joe, if it's in that area, like every kid is wearing the shirts. You take up a little banner at, at one of the games, also, you know, have some staff out there, and you know, in in bright orange uh, Pierce William things. It's just a neat concept. I, I love that. Right on. Mm. Is are there any other things, Mark, that uh, ideas that you want to try or that you've seen that uh, that you like? Um, I'm. I'm. It's interesting. I like. There's certain things that we do within our our community, but like even this, you know what Dan said with the police. We always invite the police. The guys come in for tours and stuff. Then they show up a couple of times when someone pocket calls by an accident right. during the during the summer. But to to partner with those guys, like those guys are always and, and EMS guys. That's such a neat concept. Like those are the guys we call on all the time. Or I would like to do some stuff with like the local hospital, like all the doctors and nurses. Like we have kids sometimes, you know. It's like the ankle, the sprained ankle week where we're yeah. taking a dozen kids in. So wouldn't it be cool to say, you know, whether it's stuff for the hospital, like thank you cards or that, because they just see kids coming in and out or inviting them to our site for an afternoon. Some of the look, those, you know, the, 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 the heroes within the community, like the police and the ambulance and those guys, I think that's a really neat concept that Dan said. We also had an awesome experience with that, bringing in ambulance, police, and fire for Superheroes Week with the littlest campers. And so our staff were always amazing at being welcoming, so they just felt really at home. We also had the the secondary effect that the staff were putting the campers first and letting them try all these things. And at the end of the night, they're like, that was really fun for those kids. Could we have them back so we could, you know, shoot the fire hoses and dress up in bunker gear? And that became an annual thing. Um, or sort of rotate between one week, one year be for the kids, and one year we would do it just on a staff event. And, and that meant that the, the firefighters, who are always the first medical responders in our area, um, yeah. got to know many of the staff by name and et cetera. But I love the idea of doing something special for local doctors who you know work the emerges and the, the first response places. Such an awesome idea. Um, one of the things that I will add on to two things that have been said in this last little piece, um, we had, may still have, I don't know, an, an amazing local doctor who wrote all the medical directives that would allow our nurses to hand out meds and, and look over all the medical procedures for us. Um, and he's such a, an awesome guy. And, and um, one of the things that that Camp did was to give him 
a tenure paddle. Talked talk, tons of times um, on the the pro program about the tenure paddle program, but um, we knew Dr. Ray had been there more than ten years. Like, why doesn't he have a paddle? And so then we sent in some staff and a couple of kids to present it. it instead of it hanging up in the dining hall where he, he came out once in five years. I think he came out once in the 15 years that I was there, but we'd see him almost weekly. And uh, we took a paddle to him and it's up in his office. It was a, an interesting way to recognize his giving for, for camp. The other thing, first responders, um, Wood Eden Easter Seals Camp in London, Ontario, has a relationship with the City of London Canine Unit, and they have allowed them to build a building on there, and that's the, the training ground for the Canine Unit. And mm. um, that has meant that there are regularly, several <clears throat> times a week, police cars in and out of the camp that drive through the camp. It's a it's sort of a circular driveway. So they have police going through there. And once they told the neighbors that this is what was happening and they didn't have to panic that there were so many cops, it was just <laughs> a, a great security thing for them to have um, random days, police cars in and out of the the thing. And so the, um, the canine unit and the other um, police services members knew the camp, knew the year-round staff and, and felt some great loyalty to that. Julissa, how about you? Any final thoughts? In our staff training, we have a piece of the day where we do a local photo scavenger hunt. So in our staff time off, we found that they would go to the big city of Grand Rapids, which is about an hour away, instead of going out to eat locally or using the local cinemas because they just didn't know what was available. Mm -hmm. We contacted businesses ahead of time and have like four vans that go out with all these staff and tie-dye. And they have to visit all these places and, and buy something at the boutique and they have to try an ice cream cone at the ice cream place and get free popcorn. And so then all these business owners are seeing these like excited young women <laughs> coming yeah. in, in drones of tie-dye. Um, and so they're a little more prepared for when staff have their time off. But it's also a fun way to secretly teach staff what's available. Yeah. Um, we also kind of stop teachers that are about to retire from local yeah. schools because those are our best sources of volunteers. So we'll get a sense from the school secretaries who are the gatekeepers to life in these schools. Just be like, who's retiring this year? And are they looking for some volunteer opportunities? And then we'll pass them a little note about our, our, our shoulder seasons and our school groups that they can come and work with. We also have daily local volunteers that come out to garden and drive for our trips and drive the pontoon boat. So we have a fantastic local volunteer base. And then I would really encourage a lot of the young camp staff that live in these in these positions year round, like myself, that you have to get involved in the local community. Yes. And I hear a lot from emerging professionals that they feel really isolated in these small towns, especially for me. When I came to Michigan, I wasn't married. My nearest family was in Texas. I didn't have a big support system here, and so what helped me is to go out and coach volleyball at a at a local middle school and to join a church and to join clubs and to volunteer for the you know city council and whatever needed to be done um you can make those connections but in a small town if you didn't grow up here you really have to put in an effort and not be afraid to walk in a room where you don't know anybody because um, those are just friends you haven't made yet <laughs> so I, I would encourage all those program directors to get out of your camp and, and get to know the local community year-round awesome so great 
Um, you reminded me of one other thing that we used to do, Jalisa, that helped with our connection, and it was the same thing. Um, most people on a day off would go to the town of Huntsville uh, from our camp. And so if you were a first-year staff member, um, during staff training, you would get a bus tour of Huntsville. It's like, here's the dollar store. Um, here's the ice cream shop that loves camp people and has a camp discount. Or, um, you know, I can see... Um, Brevard, North Carolina has a ton of, of camps around it and they have an ice cream shop there that has a special recipe of ice cream made for each of the 60 camps in their area. So, you know, you go and teach them, go show them where the ice cream shop is that has a, a, a Camp Travis um, flavor of ice cream, just laundry, etc. So it was um, a way that we could get them comfortable with the area and um, help them to shop local instead of driving an hour to an hour and a half away to, to a big city for that sort of thing. Any other quick ideas or follow-up? Yeah. Excellent. Thank you all for that. It was uh, awesome, enlightening, exciting, uh, etc. So I really appreciate your help in, in thinking about how to build community within your community. Um, at this time, then, I'm going to move us on to our tool of the week. Tool of the week. If you are joining Camp Hacker for the first time, watching us on YouTube or listening to this first podcast, our tool of the week is our invitation to the co-host to bring a tool that helps make them a better camp director. And uh, we'll go around the circle and uh, see what people's tools of the week are. So, Joe, what for you is your tool this time? My tool this time is something that I don't think about. And that's the that's what I've been trying to do with tools of the week. Because oftentimes we have something we use so often that it's just we don't think about it anymore. Um, if you know me and have seen me, I wear sunglasses a lot. And by a lot, like... Like all the time. It's not a sunny day today, but um, my tool of the week are Maui gym sunglasses. Yeah. Those are these guys. Uh, you don't need to buy them in white. Um, I had to order these ones from Italy to get them in white. You don't need to order sunglasses from Italy. I'm just saying that I saw them in white and thought I would love them. Um, this goes back to uh, probably a year and a half ago I recommended a good cell phone because it's something you use all the time. And I had picked up a, a new cell phone at the time. These are not Maui gyms. Aren't cheap sunglasses. They're polarized. They're going to protect your eyes. They're going to, once you've gone polar, a high end polarized lens, you're never going to go back from polarized because it protects your eyes. And if you're outside all the time at camp um, or in the winter on snow glare, all of those things um, just, these glasses are they're attached to my head almost all of the time um and i have you know they normally last me three seasons and then i buy a new pair so i just justify the cost in in that sense as long as i treat them properly right so howie gym sunglasses um my specific uh my specific choice right now are stone crushers because i have a really big head and uh they um they're big enough and they fit. So that's my tool of the week. That's awesome. Thanks, Joe. Uh, Jalisa, what's your tool? My tool of the week is a children's book called <clears throat> The Crayons Quit by Drew Daywalt. There it is. I posted the link 
to the book on Amazon. Um, and in this book, each of these crayons writes a letter to their owner, Duncan, about how they're quitting because they're being mistreated. So the pink crayon doesn't feel like she's getting used enough. Um, only Duncan's sister uses her. And pink crayons can draw monsters, too. And the black crayon doesn't understand why he can't be in the rainbow. He feels like that's just really inappropriate. Yeah. And, and you can use any color you want to color anything you want. And the reason that I, I like this book is I plan to use it this summer with my staff for a Vespers where I'm going to give them each a, a crayon. And then after you read this book, they're going to draw something with that crayon that wouldn't typically be drawn in that color. Um, and in talking with a lot of camp staff at the recent ACA conference, um, the current American political climate is a little rough down here. And they felt like they encountered some difficult conversations and home visits during the presidential election. And so we've been trying to think of a way at Camp Nuego to really intentionally teach empathy and inclusiveness and acceptance without bringing politics into the conversation. Mm -hmm. and I think this is a really great debrief opener to talk about not just the colors of crayons, but race and ethnicity and sexuality and being open to seeing people in multiple layers and just being a good person. And I think you can do all of that by reading this book. <laughs> great picture, Lisa. Thank you. So just a, a midstream reminder, there are show notes at camphacker.tv slash podcast. This is episode 98. Um, you can see the, uh, the notes for that um, there. Uh, Mark, what's your tool? Um, my tool is also a book. Um, it, you know, it's, it's always one of those things. What's, and it's a tool that I use every day that I started when I got the book. It's called The Daily Stoic. And it's... Uh, by getting Ryan Holiday. He's written a, a couple of other really, really good books. Um, and basically, it's, it's The Daily Stoic, and it's 366 Meditations on Wisdom, Perseverance, and the Art of Living. So the way it's set up, it's um, the reason 366 is because it, it includes a leap year. Every day is a different passage from a philosopher, um, like Seneca or Marcus Aurelius or someone like that. And then um, it's a quick little passage and then he just breaks it down and each month is a different, uh, kind of a different topic. And it's quick, like as camp directors and camp professionals, we're, I always said this, I said this earlier, we're so super busy. You know, if you're like me during the summer, you read the same page over and over and you try to find some time. But it, it's kind of how I start my day and it just gets you to think a little different, finding that work-life balance and, and looking at, you know, looking at things a little differently. And it's, um, I, I recommended it to Joe recently. I think he picked it up also. And we actually were texting certain days that we like. Um, and it's, it's, again, The Daily Stoic, really, really great book. Um, I ordered it, I guess, also through Amazon and, uh, or Indigo, sorry, it came. And great book. Really, really like it. Gets you thinking a little bit different and, um, you know, it's it's a it's a good one. Right on. I recommend it. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Dan. What's your tool? Yeah. Um, so um, my tool is uh, the two books that are from Susan Kane, who are is the keynote for Tri-State, the opening keynote. So I have one of them with me. It's called Quiet Power. So she writes about introverts, and uh, basically her first book was called Quiet, and it was all about. Um, from a parent, from a society, from an educator standpoint, what we could be doing for people 
that are introverted and um, talked a lot about teens. There's a, a tremendous amount of takeaways from, from that book. And then uh, this book I really loved because this book is geared towards kids and teens. So this is a book for children on how to navigate different aspects of life. And it really is segmented by that. Um, um, I had the privilege of talking to her last week and I'm very excited for her keynote coming up and yeah. uh, just uh, I'm all I'm always intrigued when we can find somebody that is pushing youth development in a, a further direction. And I really think um, uh, her book is uh, both her books do that. So, yeah, that's my my tools of the week. It's awesome. Dan, what what age is, is quiet power? Just what what's it geared towards is it like teens yeah. or. I'll um, I'll read you some of the the um, table of contents. So it's uh, it's kids and teens. Um, it's a uh, they cover school, um, everything from cafeteria classroom. They cover social yeah. socializing, so friendships, parties. Uh, they cover uh, hobbies, creativity, athlete, athletics. Um, cover home um, and uh, and yeah, and then there's a guide for the parents at the back as well too. But, uh, but I haven't had a chance to read this one yet. I picked it up the other day, um, yeah. but I'm almost through Quiet. It's just it's been been outstanding. Yeah, so. Quiet's a Quiet's a, a great great book, and it was one of those books that changed me. I thought I was always like an extrovert, and I think as camp directors, oh, you're always like that type A, and and I realized I, I I get all my fuel and I recharge in those quiet moments, and I really like oh maybe I am a introvert with just have these little bursts of you know, extrovert moments and or for, for two months, a year, really, really an extrovert. And then I, I just crash because I, I just need that introverted, quiet time. It's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant book. Yeah, uh, that's great to hear. Yeah, yeah, I think for us, when we were choosing her to speak, uh, I'm the, the tri-state chair, when, when we uh, finally landed on her to be the opening keynote, the biggest thing was um, making sure that we're creating a camp for all mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, that every person in the room understands that every child should be felt welcome at camp. And so yeah. she's actually a camp parent of uh, Camp Ramakoy. And uh, Camp Ramakoy is where Matt Kaufman's at. And um, Matt Kaufman actually did his best to measure retention for extroverts versus introverts and found that his program, um, he really had to alter his program to meet introverted children. And so we, yeah. we have a farm camp program. And that program is the first to sell it every year. And I can tell you right now, compared to the other programs we have here, that is a more introverted child that is at that program than other camps. Uh, they make a bond with an animal in a way that you would make a bond with another person. Yeah. So it's yeah, um, sure. there's definitely something uh, that is uh, is complex about it, but also simple in ways that we could adapt our programming. So yeah. cool, neat, neat. Yeah, great tool. Thanks. Uh, so my tool this week is um, partly self-serving, but uh, it's a, a new service that we are offering. My friend Laura Kriegel and I are doing, you can check out our website at graphicvision.me. Uh, and it's a service that we're offering to camps to go and do strategic visioning with them, where I facilitate the conversation and Laura draws the conversation on the walls. And uh, we've had some awesome experiences with sharing that with um, camps in Florida, New Hampshire, New York State, um, and a group from across the country. Um, and so that's a service that we are setting up there. And I think it's a great tool for camps to get together 
talk about strategy and then have these awesome images of Loris to communicate that strategy out to the rest of the wider camp community. And um, it's a product we've seen some amazing results with. So if you're interested in um, big vision things or even little vision things and you just want to bring a team together to, to really work on some real strategy for bigger little picture pieces of your camp puzzle, I would encourage you to go to graphicvision.me. Uh, Chalisa, I want to say thank you. Um, it's so nice to have an award-winning camp director on the show, finally. Um, if people <laughs> have any follow-up for you, where should they, how can they get in touch? They can find all my contact details at campnuego.org. Amazing. Thanks, Chalisa. And Mark, you're an award-winning camp director in my heart. How can people follow up with <laughs> thank you? Thank you. I'm going to do hair flip also. <laughs> and uh, um, the best way, easiest way is Mark, M-A-R-C, at camptamarack.info. Just Google camptamarack.info and you can find me there. Any Happy to share any ideas or vision with anyone. Great. Thanks, Mark, for being on again. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. And Dan, when you are not focused on the Tri-State Conference, uh, <laughs> you're also willing to answer camp conference or camp questions. When yeah, how definitely. can people get in touch? Um, so um, I'm at uh, I work at Frost Valley YMCA, which is frostvalley.org, and uh, my email is very simple: camp director at frostvalley.org. Amazing! It's a great email. Yeah. Um, thank you, Dan, for being on, fitting us in in what is a crazy time of year for you. Yeah, no, very excited. Hope to see a lot of you all at Tri-State. Yes, we're going to have this show out for Tri-State for sure. So make sure that you stop and say hello to um, Dan. And yeah, Dan, you'll see on stage. You'll know who he is. But to me, you'll probably run into in the um, in the halls. And uh, Gab's going to be there too. So all three of us would love to hear your best parts of the show and, and things that you like. But uh we want to say thank you to the people watching on YouTube and those listening. Uh, if you get a chance, if you've got some good stuff out of this show, if you go to camphacker.tv slash love, you can um, put a quick tweet out that says which part of the show you liked, and, um, and that'd be awesome. It's really helpful to us. We want to take a minute and congratulate our producer and editor, Matt. Um, Matt just got hired full-time as a camp director at Joe's Place. So now we have two Pierce Williams connections through Camp Hacker. And uh, he just started, and the announcement just went out last week. So our congratulations to him and um, and our thanks to Matt for being the one that actually makes this get out into the public. It's easy for us to record these conversations, but Matt does the hard work to make sure that you all can hear those and see those. So thank you to Matt. Thank you to my guests. It was an awesome topic. And uh, I would also encourage people at the end of the show to look back through the history. There was a great show that we did similar to this topic that included Andy Pritikin from Liberty Lake Camp in New Jersey. And Andy's super smart about this kind of stuff too. He had gobs of great ideas. So check out that show as well. I don't happen to know the number off the top of my head, but search for Andy on camphacker.tv slash podcast and you'll, uh, you'll see that there. So, thanks for the evening, friends. The Camp Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for listening. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.